0: Disclaimer! Please do not email us about the historical inaccuracies we are sure to make. We are not historians. We are idiots.
1: Hello, and welcome to... Anachronismo. I'm Noel.
0: I'm Jackie.
1: I'm Max, and today we're going to be talking about how to escape into Canada,
2: the Archie De Pan,
1: and the Hunter Dunbar expedition
0: up the Wichita River. You know know the whole uh, Lewis and Clark exploring the Louisiana Purchase. Mm -hmm. Well, these are some other guys who did some of it first. Mm -hmm. For Thomas Jefferson.
1: Did Thomas Jefferson, like, send them out? Like... He sure did. But, like, almost, like, in a competitive sense, like, uh... Well, no, they did it several years before Lewis and Clark. Oh, yeah. These
2: guys went up the hill, you go down the hill.
1: So, my story today comes from a book by the Reverend William Troy. I oh, I always butcher the... Hairbreadth...
2: Is it B-R-E-A-D-T-H? mm mm-hmm. Hairbreadth.
1: But that sounds just like hairbreadth. A uh, hairbreadth. Bread. I'm
2: pretty sure the D is mostly silent, so you can just skip it. Hairbread.
1: Hairbread escapes. Hairbread escapes. Yep. Delicious delicious hairbread. Hairbread Escapes by the Reverend William Troy, who was an active abolitionist who was part of the Underground Railroad, and he helped many slaves escape. And one such story that I wanted to tell today was about a former slave called Lewis Williams. So Williams had escaped from Kentucky as a child and went to Cincinnati in Ohio, and he had lived there for several years, and he felt safe, and the whole Cool thing about this story is it's just straight from the excerpt of this reverend, which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool. So you give a lot of excellent details. So Lewis had escaped to Ohio, and he figured that if he had stayed there for several years, his former slaveholder would forget about him or just would not pursue looking for him.
2: Do you know what his career was? Was he involved in the hog trade?
1: It did not. You know, I couldn't find too many details about him outside of this story, so I do not know. Yeah. But he lived there for a few years. He met a lady.
0: Ooh, a lady.
1: He was kind of uncertain if she liked him or not. Liked him back. So you know what he did? Did he give her a little slip of paper saying, do you like me? Yes, no, maybe.
2: Did he run away to join the circus because he never could get the guts to ask? Did you're, he do something in between?
1: You're both actually on a strangely correct path. He asked
2: her to run away to the circus with him. No. Uh,
1: Even further now. Okay, okay. Uh, oh, he
0: he organized a circus to ask her if no. she liked him. That's getting further he off. He
2: invited place. her to a vaudeville no. act.
0: No. He asked he her if, he, if she things. wanted to start a traveling show with him. No.
2: Let's
1: just say it. Uh, let say it. No, he... Oh, don't it's don't it's fucking tease us. Like, it's yeah, just you're just, you're just
2: making it. us feel bad.
1: Come on, man. He went, as all people do when they don't know if the other person loves him back, he went to a fortune teller. Oh! Yeah. Know, so, didn't talk to her, just decided he would go to a fortune teller first. That's like in high school, like,
0: asking your crush's friends if... Do they like them? Or asking your friends to ask your crush's friends I think to makes ask a your lot crush... Of
2: that sense. The yeah. fortune teller,
0: except in this case, your friends are
2: spooky spirits who live beyond
0: the
1: veil. All right,
2: in that case, it's very similar. <laughs> yes.
1: So he had to go to this fortune teller. And he had to pay a dollar to find out. That's a, a lot. lot. That's yeah. That's a ton. It's a lot. has been that a good time. fortune teller. Well, well, no, mm-hmm. not a great fortune teller. So Lewis, yes, I, I was just
2: thinking okay. of what this person's business model is. Is that they say they have this great reputation? And then they charge an arm and a leg so that um, when it doesn't come true, the person is too embarrassed to have wasted that much money. Yeah. But they tell people that the fortune they were told was correct.
0: Oh, my goodness. I asked if my Gregory was dead, and she said yes.
1: <laughs> and but he wasn't.
0: He wasn't dead, so I figured oh, fortune teller can't be wrong, so I
1: murdered him.
2: Yes, exactly. That.
0: <laughs> anyway,
1: that's why I'm in prison. So Lewis gave her the money, and that first she started to ask him about his origin. So he told her that he was, came from the planet Krypton. Yes, born kal El, Kentucky. Fun fact: Kentucky exploded, and <laughs> nuclear rocks called kentuckyite came to the other states. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. happened to be anyone from Kentucky has a weakness. Mm. You hold up a glowing piece of Kentucky there. Strength is drained if you can beat him up. We all know that. No, your dearest list is facts. You no, know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to ramble on and on about what we all know already. But he talks to this fortune teller and he told her about his past. And so she started to ask him for former details like oh, who no. the former slaveholder was. Oh, and no. Where he was. Um, and so then. This jackass... Her business model
2: is so much worse than I thought it was. Oh, yeah.
1: No, it, it gets worse. That's how she gets away with charging so much for bad
0: answers.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing. She knew that she was going to go and talk to this slaveholder and tell him that she had found his former slave. But on top of that, she told him that this girl and him, the girl did love him and they'd be married in three months. Like, just a terrible person all around. And she got the address of the slaveholder and she charged him, I believe, $200. I was going to guess $1 $1 again. For information. (laughs) This is 200 fortunes right here. And one quick little job, one letter. So she sold him that information and the slaveholder came to Cincinnati paid the fortune teller, and then Lewis was arrested. So as part of the Fugitive Slave Act, if a former slave could be arrested under the Fugitive Slave Act in a state that did not have slavery, like Ohio, but the decision of whether or not to send someone like Lewis back to the slaveholder was up to the courts, like a judge would have to sign off on it for it to happen. For whatever reason, it was believed that, yes, this judge was going to sign off, and Lewis would be sent back to Kentucky. So, this Reverend William Troy and a bunch of other abolitionists conspired a plan to get Lewis out. I thought you were going to say laid.
2: (laughs) Hey man, we're gonna get
1: you laid. That fortune teller told you three months, man. We gotta get you ready for your wedding. For love, Jackie. Yeah. Wanted, you know, they wanted him to to know
0: love. Why
2: would you? The most beautiful thing. So the Boston Public Library has this program where you can
0: conspire to get people laid.
2: No, transcribe. I just said the wrong word. (laughs) (laughs) Can transcribe correspondence between abolitionists in Massachusetts. Oh, from cool. back in the day. So I've done it a couple times, and they speak very flowily, ornate language, and they brag a lot. So I think they would have phrased it a little differently than when we were trying to get him. Lead.
0: Yea, verily, this man, this flower of liberty, has never tasted that most beautiful fruit, that of love. And truly we shall conspire to feed him that gorgeous peach. Of getting laid.
2: <laughs> yeah, it would be more like that. But then they'd also throw in a couple... The letter that I was transcribing it was just... I forget who it was from, but he was talking about how he was on, like, a speaking tour of a region. He was like, I spoke at this place, and this many people came, and then more per- people heard about it. So when I spoke the following night, even more people came. And then I spoke with this person and this person all night long for hours. And, like, it just goes on and on of- flowery descriptions and of the giant crowds he's brought, which is great. Like, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. But the way it's written is not to convey that a lot of people were interested. It was like, look how many people I got to come talk to me specifically. <laughs> it, it was it was this weird line of, I'm glad people are listening to you, but you're being pretty braggy about
0: this. <laughs> so, back to your story. Yeah. Now. Um. Conspiring to get this dude laid. Laid! Late late. Work it
1: all out of Late, the late, late,
0: late, late. <laughs> late. Alright, that's that's all of it.
1: Just working through that last one. Um so they had a plan to get him Was that he saying a word that began with Hell, or did you just Jump in with Lay. I just jumped in. Okay. They were. I'm trying to really. Think if I had a word, I was like, no, nah, none of those words make sense.
2: I think we're um, gonna say, get him out.
1: Get him out. And so, the way in which they were to do this, there was another African American who looked similar to Lewis, and so they had a trick that. All these abolitionists would show up to the courtroom and just create just like a lot of distraction for the marshal and just the judge. And in the confusion, which it, or the chaos, and it really doesn't go into the details of how they did this. They were going to do a little switcheroo. This
2: is like a Scooby Doo episode, but except with much higher stakes.
1: Wouldn't the guy
0: they were switching him for get taken as a slave? But
2: then they could prove that he wasn't him
1: yes ah, nice. yeah so what what happened is apparently the marshal was distracted by the counsel representing lewis and in that time it just sounded like they apparently just switched hats and like hats and jackets and he crawled out of the courtroom on his hands and knees while the other guy just was up in uh i don't know whatever area of the courtroom that the
2: decoy guy was very brave he was yeah
1: um you imagine? and so oh. lewis uh crawled out hands and knees slipped out of the crowd among all the abolitionists got outside and they got him over to this uh reverend troy's house to hide so cora realized after a while that the person that was up and i i guess in the defendants area or yeah. witness box i don't know um was not lewis and so the marshal was personally responsible for now finding lewis and it was surprising because it said nothing about this guy getting in trouble at all there was no mention that he'd be like well you're clearly trying to obstruct us so i won't say obstruct justice because this was in no way like a justice kind of situation but the guy like just was like nope i'm not him <laughs>
2: Bye.
1: I'm just wearing his clothes. <laughs> so um <laughs> suckers. Um so that
2: guy's so brave.
1: He is, yeah.
2: I hope he did get off scot free.
1: Uh Lewis escapes and they offered a reward for his capture, which was one thousand dollars. The way the Reverend wrote it though, he wrote two hundred pounds. And I'm not sure why. He wrote 200 pounds when he meant $1,000. He wrote 200 pounds, parentheses, or $1,000. Maybe that was just the exchange rate at the time between pounds sterling and American dollars. Yeah. Was
2: Canada on pounds at the time?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. And one that I embarrassingly don't have the answer
0: to. Currency
1: Anismo
0: will answer the question. Go to Um. our sister podcast.
2: It's just Max counting coins. I've got a nickel and a
1: dime. Coinismo, currency. We'll see you next time, Iran. Currency anismo. So Lewis uh, told the story about how he had gone to the fortune teller, realized that she had betrayed him, betrayed the sacred trust of a client and a fortune teller, and uh, then the reverend just hid him actually between his house and his business because he was worried that because he was such a prolific abolitionist in the area, he was worried that he was going to draw a lot of attention to himself at his house, so he would move Lewis uh, in disguise to and from his business and his home. But then, one morning at a chapel, uh, a friend of his came in and told the reverend that, that federal authorities were watching his business, and so he knew that he needed to get Lewis now, instead of just hidden in Cincinnati, he needed to get him out of the country. To Canada! Home of the pound! And the
0: fortune teller was dragged to hell by her own spirits.
1: I really hope so. You know, would not complain if that actually happened, but there was no mention of whatever happened to the fortune teller. Probably dragged to hell. The newspapers rarely cover it because they're afraid (laughs) of demons. So what the reverend did was that Slipping Lewis out in disguise of the court has gone so well. He was gonna do another switcheroo. And this time though, he borrowed a dress, a uh, skirt, bonnet, and veil from the daughter of an associate of his and brought it to lewis he didn't know really how to dress lewis in that so he had two uh female associates i'm picturing him trying it first and, like the bonnet getting like, up tied around his chest and like
0: <laughs> the veil is a hat and like uh the skirt is just like some kind of toga thing he's like
1: no I've no never, this is all wrong
2: i've never seen a woman before
1: <laughs> i wish i knew how to put these on someone Oh, just actually one fun quote. I don't know. Let me look up, actually, very quickly what a crinoline is.
2: Crinoline. crinoline? A, a crinoline.
1: Fabric. Okay. Uh, it's just the uh, Reverend had a quote of acts asking this lady, Miss Cordelia, if she had a... Crinoline. Crinoline. And she, and he is quoted as saying, certainly, she said, you can have one. And she went into another room, and out came a whopping crinoline, <laughs> <laughs> for which I tendered my heartfelt thanks. Is that like a petticoat? Is that
0: like yeah, the flousy she, parts that go underneath? I think it's like underneath?
2: an underskirt thing.
0: Yeah, it's the stuff that gives like, a skirt all the floof to it. You know, you wear a skirt over, and it looks like you're, like, bell-shaped, like like a bell.
1: So, um, after they had gotten the dressing down with Lewis, they made him walk forward and back and tried to mimic uh, walking as much as a lady as possible. Um, So, they just practiced him walking up and down, back and forth for a while. And so, then, once he was dressed and had the walk down... The reverend had his eldest brother escort the lady, Lewis Williams, out of his house, past the authorities and police who were sort of staking it out. And um, then they got him on a steamer that went to Canada. So in the end, he did not marry the lady of whom the fortune teller had promised him. Yeah. Don't know what happened to the fortune teller, but... Dragged uh, to hell. Yeah. That could be the only, the only right and just way for the story to end. Love the exasperation in your eyes. <laughs> sure, sure, Max. He was
0: dragged to hell. That's history. People get dragged to hell every day.
1: And then Lewis, uh, lived the rest of his life in Canada. Cool. A free man!
2: I wonder how quick he dropped the lady costume. Once he got on the boat? Like a day after getting on the boat?
0: I like to imagine him doing a transformation sequence from an anime, and doing the whole spinning and like tying himself up with like the ribbons, and it's like I am not a lady, I am a oh, man.
2: I'm just imagining him spinning, but like not doing it gracefully and not being able to unsnap things, mm. and yeah, just he's, kinda, like, like heel, tripping like
1: caught in a hole in the boat <laughs> and just stumbling and just being like, okay, okay, it's fine, and it's fine. I really didn't even want to see this in the first place. Someone. God, I gotta, I can't live this down. Okay, someone swap out another man who looks kind of like me with me and we're going to take this again. am going to take it again. So if you were unjustly punished by the law mm-hmm. and there was an elaborate scheme to mm-hmm. get you to safety, yeah. like what what person in the community would you want to switch places with or, you know, sort of be able to dress up as and kind of pretend to be for a little bit until you could saunter away? That's a good question.
2: Marty Walsh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that way you could incriminate him for
0: some crimes while you're at it. You really fuck over Marty Walsh.
2: <laughs> he stood in my way on the sidewalk once.
0: It sounds like Marty oh, Walsh. Oh, Jackie's never forgiven him <laughs> since. Yeah. Uh, Marty, let's have a party, Walsh.
1: Well, I forgot city. about that. Yeah. Isn't that like two years ago? Yeah, yeah
2: One God. year ago.
0: It's a pretty long time to hold a grudge. <laughs> and you're like, pardon me, and he's just like, I'm the mayor. <laughs> I'm not moving.
2: I was walking home. I was carrying my CSA. It was heavy. I was almost home. It was like two blocks away. And then he and his re-election party were all over the sidewalk. I was just like, I need to get by. Stop taking pictures. This is a sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Get out of the way.
1: So you really would just want to switch places with him to sabotage him. Like, really take him down. I mean, you he does. He's doing you a favor. He's the one switching with you so you can escape the an unjust law. And you're just trying to tank his reputation.
2: Okay, so Max is the one who said I would frame him for crimes.
1: Uh, I, I, assumed. I just wanted
2: to pick someone who they could quickly look at and be like, Oh wait, you're not her. You're not. You didn't do whatever we accused her of.
0: Let's be honest here. I I cut to the core of you. I saw deep within your your hatred. hearts and your hatred, and I just picked it apart like a big lump of coal on Christmas morning.
1: I'm imagining that situation though, where like the courtroom just looks over at like the defendant and just sees the mayor sitting there. <laughs> They're like, "What are you doing? <laughs> how did this happen? Uh, how do we not notice the mayor? Like we gotta find whoever's wearing a mayor sash and kissing babies around town." <laughs> Whoever's walking around with a giant pair of scissors opening new buildings. And I just just imagine the the camera quickly cutting to,
0: like, just, like, a close-up of Jackie, of her face. And she's, like, running down the thing. She's wearing, like, a top hat and a fake mustache. You could just sort of see the top of the mayor's sash. And none of these, none of these does Marty Walsh wear. But Jackie has donned them to impersonate him.
2: Time for some luxury condo.
0: Just (laughs) (laughs) running down the sidewalk. Ah, I love it. I would impersonate Paul Revere. And they would have to dig his bones out and swap me out. (laughs) And they'd be like, we had to assume Paul Revere's bones and we're taking them back to his grave. And then as they're starting to bury me, I just, like, punch my way out of the coffin. And then I'm free. And no one suspects a thing because everyone's too creeped out by this spooky, ooky skeleton.
1: Who has... Flesh and eyes and hair. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I mean, doesn't even look the like the skeleton.
0: The skeleton would be left in my place in the courtroom. You know, like I would be like, "Oh my god, this man! Did someone bring piranhas in here? Did someone smuggle piranhas in here?"
1: <laughs> Still imagining that moment where the court looks back and just sees the skeleton. <laughs> be like, "Man, I knew the law. Law procedures are boring, but come on! <laughs> All right, you're free to go, skeleton." <laughs> <laughs> Popcorn vendor. <laughs> just, just cause just the, the big like leaving the corn, just going like popcorn, anyone want popcorn? Got your pop oh, if no one wants popcorn, I guess I'll
0: just leave a free man. What if there's somebody who did want popcorn and they're like, oh I'll take it and they leave hey, you and your <laughs> hands meet over the dollar bill and you like make eye contact, it's like, wait a second. Wait a second. And like, he's just holding out the dollar bill and you're trying to get it out of his <laughs> hand. And you could just leave
1: if you just left the dollar bill. We've already sold the popcorn. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying, I'm like looking over the judges starting to look over oh. like, who is that guy? <laughs> I was about to just like, more, It's like, hand him over. It's like, wait a minute. This is a hot dog. <laughs> what kind of popcorn vendor are
2: you? I asked for extra butter, yes.
1: And you gave me a corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> of some sort. Well you know, you, have, you should be the one in jail. You have his looks, but not his skills. Yeah, so any just any chance to be a vendor in a courtroom. <laughs> I love That's setting Cigarette You're, girl. Yes. <laughs> Cigarettes. Cigarettes. Wait, Wait a second. These are terrible for you And about a, for another century. Wait a second, we don't have cigarette girls anymore.
0: And this is a courtroom.
2: <laughs> you can't smoke inside. Can, you can't smoke within fifty feet of this place. place.
0: I wear
1: have fenders in core rooms. Wait, none of this sad stuff. Something's wrong here.
2: And then you drop a smoke bomb and you run out of
1: and it. Get cigarette- that mayor sash off that skeleton. It's really more of a cigarette bomb. Mm.
2: Mm.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Uh-huh. Oh, that would be terrible. Uh, it's a cloud of tobacco
0: dust. And then it all clears and there's the skeleton and the mayor sash. But instead of it saying mayor, it says smoking kills. <laughs> and you're back in the witness box being like, I just wanted to send a message.
2: All right, so I'm going to talk about the Arches of Bread, which is a fun Easter tradition. Back in the seventeen hundred, sorry, 1600s, 17th century, Sicily was ruled by King Philip IV of Spain. And this was during feudal times. And for some reason, Spain's empire really wanted wheat. They wheat, wanted wheat. 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 Okay. Very much. So they were um, incentivizing people to start fiefdoms and farms to provide wheat to the empire. So this guy, Giovanni Battista Berardi, bought a farming license and moved on out to Sicily. And he started a village called Lands of San Viaggio.
0: San Viaggio?
2: Viaggio. I A G I O. And there was there was a tradition back in the day that when rulers would come visit, mm-hmm. you would erect arches in their honor. Mm-hmm. So they would have something grand to be presented with
0: that's why there's all those old roman ruins that are like arches everywhere in every town because that's what they would do that's where it comes from they would erect arches whenever they like won a battle they and they like the french took that in large part because you know remains Roman empire and also the revolution modeled itself pretty heavily after uh, ancient rome
2: because hmm. when i first read that i was like that's kind of weird but all right yeah so san biagio was a very poor middle of nowhere hinterland of sicily uh-huh. place So when the authorities were coming, they were like, we don't have marble, we don't have fancy building materials, we don't have anything to show our respect for these people. So you know what? We do have a lot of... bread.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what never goes bad and stands for ages against the tests of time? Bread. 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 You know what birds hate? Bread. (laughs) Bread.
2: No, so so they were they were poor in building materials, but rich in, in wheat. Um, the fruits of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they made bread arches, and over time, around the mid eighteenth century, this custom stopped happening. Like people weren't building arches for visiting authorities anymore, but the town still really liked their <laughs> tradition of building arches of bread. So they decided to adapt it into an Easter tradition because they they changed it from welcoming like a secular. Yeah, sure, I don't know, I think they were, mm-hmm. the emperor was still kind of tied to religion at that point, yes. But anyway, they turned this one tradition into a religious tradition. Um, they kind of, they saw Jesus coming as like, you know, the ultimate ruler is visiting for Easter, so. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense to make arches for him as well. Yeah.
0: Jesus loves arches.
2: Jesus loves arches.
0: Yeah. That's what I know. That's what the Bible teaches. <laughs>
2: So they weren't—they—they they weren't just any arches. I don't Not know
1: a lot of straight edges. <laughs> okay.
2: mm, sorry, okay. please go on. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> or
0: we got the giggles over a very, very bad joke. I can support human weight
1: without nails.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was uh, crucified on arches. It was fine. More archified, and jug headified. Yeah, so
2: these, <laughs> these bread arches, they weren't just like you put a baguette and stacked it in an arch shape. They are elaborate, mm. beautiful, like braided things of bread embellished with rosemary and dates and rice and legumes like arranged in mosaics and stuff. It's like gorgeous. If you you should look it up. It's a tradition that continues to this day. Uh-huh. And it's beautiful.
0: Sounds delicious.
2: And they coat it in a resin of some kind. Okay. So they they assemble everything on Good Friday, and then they adorn it with rosemary, which is a symbol for grief. And then on Saturday, they replace all the rosemary with more fun kind of embellishments, as a welcome Jesus, happy Easter kind of thing. Easter um,
0: eggs, happy smiley faces. You
2: know, there wasn't any mention of Easter eggs.
0: Okay, well, it's probably an American thing. Um,
2: but there are chandeliers mm-hmm. made of um, dates.
0: Bread. Dates. Dates. Cool.
2: Yeah, and other stuff. It's, it's very beautiful. And it's, it's a tradition that the whole city gets involved in. A lot of people have a hand in making these decorations. Cool. And over time, it went from a simple arch to three arches. And they saw these three arches, and they were like, oh, this kind of looks like our local cathedral. What if next year we tried to make our whole cathedral out of bread? So they didn't make an entire cathedral, but they did mimic the facade of the cathedral, the main aisle of the cathedral, and then the altar area.
0: What are they life-size, these cathedral things? or are they scale? Life-size? What?
2: I think life-size. You can, like, walk through them. It's in the middle of the town, so the aisle of the church is actually the, like, main street mm-hmm. of the town. Wow. Um, it's, it's really very beautiful. I really recommend you check out pictures of it if you can. And there's two confraternities, one for the Madunara, and one for the Signorara, which is they they kind of represent Mary and Jesus, mm. so they're kind of like two little rival teams. They each Just have like a... Mary and Jesus. <laughs> well, well, the tradition has morphed over time mm-hmm. to be like this fun little local competition. But if they're not like pitted against each other, sure. they bring out each other's creativity to build this wonderful display. That
1: was my first spring. thought. Like this was heading in that area of like that uh... Florentine kick game. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, no, this one's nice. Okay. So these two teams basically, they each get an art director and it takes months for them to come up with their designs. And every year they have the same sort of architectural structure of the facade, the asp, and the aisle in between, but each year they decorate it with different themes. And it, it's just this wonderful thing that so many people in the town are part of that like build their sections in secret warehouses and it like, it really reminded me of Mardi Gras floats and uh, like Mardi Gras crews.
0: Except delicious.
2: I don't, I don't know if you can eat it, because it's covered in a resin, and it they leave it out a, until mid-May. A
0: delicious honey resin. Honey is a natural preservative. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And I assume resin. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> from trees. From?
2: <laughs> no. No. It's no. dissolvable. Yeah. But um, they have started a museum for this, where they take some of the arch from each year and put it on display in the museum. Mm-hmm. So you can go and see. I suppose you probably can see the different themes from the years past. Cool. So, unfortunately, they didn't do one last year. It would be 2017, because the mayor, who was supposed to secure the funding, was uh, in some trouble with the mafia. Oh, no.
0: Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, so he was in trouble with the mafia, so they couldn't afford it. But this year, they're back. So, there, there's this man named Navara. He was one of the artistic directors last year. Mm-hmm. And the article that I read said that he came up with a motto for this year the most bizarre sentence that you would never think that it should be a motto it's we surely won't let the mafia stop the creativity of our people <laughs> <laughs> it's better in italian
0: it's punchier in italian yeah it's punchier
2: in oh my italian. gosh
0: oh, it's so good <laughs> we
2: surely won't let the mafia stop the creativity of our people <laughs>
0: <laughs> i want that emblazoned on a shirt <laughs> I'm unveiling our new mascot, (laughs) Jim, the man who doesn't like the Mafia, (laughs) the mayor with the unbroken legs.
1: It's just a big, like, it's like a man made out of bread, with just mayor, like, kind of, like, burned into him on his, like, where the sash would be. He switches
0: places with it, and then the Mafia breaks the the bread mayor's legs.
1: (laughs) You like this? Oh, this bird has got delicious legs. <laughs> Giuseppe, what would I say about eating the mayor's legs? I can't help it. They're so tasty. Uh you can't keep doing this. Primo Italiano mayor legs. At least use some olive oil to dip it in. Boy, oh, you think I'm an animal.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're eating the mayor's legs.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that. Something that started in the 1600s and continues up till today except for last year.
0: That's very good. But we
2: won't let the mafia... <laughs>
0: What would you build an arch out of if not bread or bricks? Still food though it could be
2: anything' not yeah.
0: mm. be food. I'd build my arch out of other arches <laughs> to show that my arch is the best arch. <laughs>
2: I'm thinking, like, a pack of well-trained dogs mm. that will just stay still until you give them the signal and they, like, jump in real fun ways down. Yeah. <laughs> yep, stay still, guys. we got to keep these arches up for three weeks for the festival.
0: <laughs> That's like know, one like, one give dog gives trouble. you a side eye, it's like. Oh, give them
2: little straws so they can drink. Oh,
0: you know, dogs. Dogs can't use straws; they don't have lips. I know this because I've I've tried to picture dogs kissing with lips instead of tongues.
1: You just can't do it. That's why you know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just sat back and thought one day about dogs kissing. You're like, wait, that doesn't work out. Then you then you go to the internet. Can dogs kiss? Wait, dogs don't have have lips. Lips, no. They
0: have muzzles. Lips are a whole thing. Dogs can't kiss with lips instead of tongues.
2: Oh, I thought that had crossed my mind. Really? Yes.
1: <laughs> huh. I guess I'm the weird one here. I mean, now the <laughs> yeah. thought's going to cross my mind a lot more. All the
0: time. Every time I look at my dog, I'm like, why, why don't you have lips to
2: kiss? Wait, so, so in Lady and the Tramp, Yeah. when they're both...
0: <laughs> they were just spitting each other's faces, yeah. No, they were, they
2: were No, they both both can't eat that spaghetti. Slurping the spaghetti.
0: It's really more of it like, really a, been like a... <laughs> Yeah, it's more of like a continual biting motion. Yeah, if you go on YouTube and look up uh, videos of dogs eating spaghetti, first of all, it's amazing. Second of all, very different. Yeah. I can watch dogs <laughs> eat spaghetti all day.
1: There are a lot of inaccuracies in ladies. Yeah, A lot like of inaccuracies. Mm. Dogs speaking English. Dogs loving
2: because, yeah, like I can't I can't pinpoint why I would think a dog can use a straw, but it, I think it has to do with the spaghetti slurping and yeah. leading the truth. Yeah, yeah. More they, than in
0: reality. They can't do that. And the also entire would, generation of misinformed yeah. people. They also wouldn't offer each other meatballs. They would have just fought over it. So yeah, you'd have to find some sort of elaborate drip feeding machine to give them water instead. No, what do you build your arch out of?
1: So I saw the this like a video of this recently, but yeah. basically it was a Structure, I think it was made out of popsicle sticks. It was Mm -hmm. like this elaborate looking um, pattern. Mm. And what would happen is the popsicle sticks were all held in place. Like it wasn't any glue. It was just all like tension in the pattern. Like there was like a slight bend, but then all the loops and stuff make it actually hold its structure. But then if you take one popsicle stick away, it pops out and they start flying everywhere. So I would do that as like the end of the church celebration, make this elaborate arch out of popsicle sticks and then like at the end of the p- celebration just pull one and have it all like kind of fly almost like Ooh and Ooh, then the I would dominoes? cover the I would cover the popsicles in some like light reflective or phosphorescent thing and then when you pull it up at like sundown or something, all this like glowing like mm-hmm. popsicle sticks Ooh. start flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, it'd be so cool. That does cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Well you give this a lot of thought and all. So a
2: dog would just like chomp on a popsicle then it wouldn't Suck
0: on a popsicle. Yeah, bite it. You might lick it. Oh, you're really disappointed. <laughs> you really wish dogs could kiss with mouths instead of
1: tongues. <laughs> it's
2: dogs. not related to kissing.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh. Sure. Sure. It's not related to the dogs, given... So it's you weren't imagining smooches. a 1950s diner with two sweetheart dogs sharing a little doggy Sunday.
2: That sounds great, and it's not related to kissing. <laughs> yeah, yes, I will imagine Yeah, but they both set from that. the straw, the, and then
1: they give the, the, the little yeah, each other a little a little, a, little, a little a little smooch, a little... Right and now there. this sort of idealized 50s world for dogs has been taken away from One me. dog's got red hair, one dog's blonde, there's another
0: black-haired dog who also wants to date the red-haired dog. Why are you do-
2: making Archie a thing in this?
0: <laughs> Why not? Archie, is, it, Archie fits most circumstances, and it's wholesome, Jackie. Unlike your sexual fantasy about dogs kissing with lips instead of tongues.
2: This is your fantasy! <laughs>
1: This is your fan. Sure, Jack. We'll let the people decide. You know, that.
0: you know Hold they on, say. You know, they this. say the downfall of the liar is that they can believe no one. Max gonna edit
2: this? <laughs> so that it seems like it was my idea, but it was not. I. A
0: record show? I want to see
1: dogs kiss with lips. Just. A, I'm Jackie Presado. A <laughs> uh, well-spoken well Jackie. Um, <laughs> just in case you do need a little audio but it's like. Yeah, Jackie talks about this all the time. <laughs> She's about to get back in the room, and we, we can continue going on with the story. But she talks about it all the time. She did not want to admit it on a hot mic.
0: Oh wow! Well, thanks for sharing that with
1: me, Noel. It's okay. Just, yeah. You know, don't Le- leave it. Don't put it in the episode because no, if she hears it, she, she'll kill me. Don't. She'll take my lips and put them on a dog, and
0: then she'll kiss him. Finally fulfilling her long-held fantasy. No, Right? It's right? yeah. crazy.
2: <laughs> Get a dog. And I'm going to name it Noel. Yeah. I'm going to just yell at
1: it. <laughs> That's incredibly cruel. Don't yell at dogs, That's Jackie. That's incredibly cruel. It's super bad. <laughs> just don't, no excuse for that. Don't do it, Jackie. It's wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna get a whole litter of puppies and name all of them Noel and put them in a sack and toss them in a river. Maybe they'll kiss each other in hell where all puppies named Noel uh, belong. No, I'm
2: gonna get a sack of puppies and are named Noodle, Noodles, Poodle, Poodles, Doodle, doodles.
1: And Noel. <laughs> no. And Noel. He's the one that nobody likes. <laughs> He's the ostracized
0: puppy. So, speaking of getting places and remembering it... My story <laughs> is about the Hunter Dunbar <laughs> expedition. I don't that segue. Do you mean getting in into case, the depths of Jackie's case, psychology? In case I have to edit out all of this garbage about dogs kissing so that we make it to under an hour and ten. You know, just in case. Just just in case I need a segue other than... So speaking of things that are improbable, like dogs kissing, let's you, talk you about have, forgetting a whole expedition of the
1: Louisiana Purchase where dogs you, might have kissed, you but they sh- didn't. You still should keep that line, because if you do keep all the dog bits, it's really funny, and if you don't keep all the dog bits, it makes no sense, and it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> so the Hunter Dunbar
0: expedition was one of... Well, we're actually four total expeditions to the Louisiana Purchase. There's one everyone knows, the Lewis and Clark Expedition. But well, there's also the Pike Expedition by Zebulon Pike, after which Pike's Peak is named. As well as the Red River Expedition by Freeman and Custis. So, who are Hunter and Dunbar? I hear you ask. It loudly. sounds like a
2: disease, like the Epstein-Barr virus.
0: Uh-huh. I was uh-huh. thinking it sounded like Statler and Waldorf. From, it... uh, from Muppets. No, No, not like that either, really. <laughs> William Dunbar was born to an aristocratic family in Elgin, Morayshire, Scotland in 1749. He was a, um, a scientist. He studied astronomy and mathematics in Glasgow and London, and he ended up settling near Natchez, Mississippi, where he built a large cottage known as The Forest. So by 1803, he had like started writing about his discoveries to Thomas Jefferson, and they became good friends through their correspondence. And so as Jefferson was like, I want to explore this giant purchase we made of the Louisiana purchase, Dunbar became like his go-to guy to like bounce ideas off of. Eventually he decided, I'm just going to ask Dunbar to make an expedition through the Purchase and map it out. And I'm going to give him another person to explore with another Scottish immigrant, uh, George Hunter, who was a chemist and druggist also residing in Philadelphia. So they lived pretty close by George Hunter had explored areas of Ohio and Indiana so he was qualified and not just, you know, being able to make drugs. Not um,
2: just some random Scottish
0: guy. Not just, just some random Scottish guy. Poor yeah. Scott
1: we found. Mm-hmm.
0: We we threw a rock and hit a Scott, and that's the guy. <laughs> so yeah, he paired them together for what became known as the Grand Expedition. The Grand Expedition was going to be a trip along the Red and Arkansas Rivers, which would rival the breadth of the one being planned by Lewis and Clark along the Missouri River. Breadth. Bread. 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 Bread.
2: Good. We all use similar words.
0: So, Congress appropriated $3,000 for this expedition.
2: How many which. Pounds? Hmm? <laughs> How many pounds?
0: How many fortunes? Uh, 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 Robert. Wait, A Robert. A fortune. It was,
2: it was 200 pounds to $1,000. 600 pounds. Divided by five.
0: 600, 600, pounds. 600 pounds. That's not much. So, 600 pounds for this expedition. But during the initial planning stages, both Jefferson and Dunbar heard about warring activities of some Osage tribes in what would become Arkansas and Oklahoma. Apparently a group led by a chief called Great Track had broken away from the main tribe, and there was a whole war going on because of that. So because of his concerns for the safety of the expedition, Jefferson wrote to Dunbar that he was afraid that the Osage would kill them where they specifically said he feared that the Osage will hinder your travel along the Arkansas River, and perhaps do worse. Uh, They also were both worried, Jefferson and Dunbar, about possible Spanish resistance above the Bayou Pierre in northwestern Louisiana and northeastern Texas, because uh, the landscape was a lot more inhabited by other countries then than it is now. Uh, Even though technically it belonged to the United States, There were still pockets of people living there because they had whole colonies from other countries back then who were just there and didn't want to be told to leave the land they'd come and settled. Mm -hmm. So in June 1804, Dunbar wrote to Jefferson asking for permission to attempt what both men initially considered a trial run up a tributary of the Red River. A smaller stream called the Washita. Dunbar wrote to Jefferson on August 17th, 1804, that there were many curiosities along the Wichita River, and in particular, he referred to a location named the Boiling Springs, mm-hmm. what we know nowadays as the Hot Springs National Park.
2: Is this in Arkansas? Yes. I've been there.
0: Oh, cool. Is it's, it nice? It's hot. Yeah, it's a hot, hot spring. <laughs> it's
2: a, It tastes weird.
0: Yeah. There's a reason for that. It's weird microorganisms. They'd find out about him in this expedition. So Jefferson agreed to the change in plans, and after a few months of planning, they uh, departed from St. Catherine's Landing on the east bank of the Mississippi River on October 16th, 1804. The team consisted of 13 enlisted soldiers, Hunter's teenage son, two of Dunbar's slaves, and his servants. It was not a great time, still. So the 19 men occupied a strange-looking, quote, Chinese-style vessel, end quote, that had been designed by Hunter in Pittsburgh several months earlier. The boat proved unsuitable for inland river travel because its draft was far too deep. So it kept hidden against the bottom of the river and getting stuck. So as they uh, ascended the Red, Black, and Wichita rivers, they switched to a different, shallower boat. They
2: just take it apart. just took it apart and made a
0: new boat. Oh gosh! I hope so.
2: And this was their trial run. That they were like, "Guess this is the real one."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Guess we made a bad boat. Should have a better boat. Ah, geez. Well, it was still a trial run at this phase. The reason it became the real run, uh, we'll get to later, or the final run. There, we're not doing it again. (laughs) Maybe. So as they sailed up these rivers, they recorded various soil levels, water levels, mapped the place, recorded new flora and fauna and, you know, all sorts of stuff about, like, these lands they were passing through, and constructed uh, as accurate a map as they could. To do that, uh, William Dunbar used a pocket chronometer and an instrument called a circle of reflection, which is usually set on a tripod used to calculate latitude using the horizon and a star or planet. Uh, He also used a surveying compass and artificial horizon to make this map, which all of these things at the time are huge this is a lot of luggage this is not like oh this is my pocket calculus this is my pocket watch no
1: these are huge annoying things to carry oh, the, oh this compass is scraping the bottom of the river man. <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: fair enough the compass probably wasn't that big
2: <laughs> I don't know this could be another case where Pocahontas has steered me wrong because the compass he uses fits in his hand
0: that's true no compasses but were first
2: dogs can't suck on spaghetti <laughs> no, ah. hot dogs hot dogs talking
0: trees can't talk jackie and raccoons don't understand english and they're not friends with hummingbirds
2: right
0: <laughs> <laughs> on november 6th after great difficulty in traversing the river and hunter's vessel the group reached the site of fort miro also called wichita post which is modern day monroe louisiana this fort, first established by the French around 1784, had been turned over to American control only seven months before, in April of 1804, and the new American commander of the site, Lieutenant Joseph Beaumar, treated the explorers to what hospitality he could muster in the primitive surroundings.
2: Two dried apples and a piece of salt pork.
1: Oh <laughs> I already started to eat it, but you can eat around where I would be eating. <laughs> Just leave me my, where my tooth marks search.
2: I still have a tender
0: up for you. So as guests, you can have a tender bit. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Me, Fort S. Sioux Fort. <laughs> so at the fort, they finally got a better ship, a large flatboat with a cabin on deck, and they hired an experienced guide named Samuel Blazier, whose familiarity with the area may be the reason both men were able to name many of the sites above Fort Miro. As they crossed into modern-day Arkansas on November 15th, 1804, the landscape began to change from mainly pine forests to bottomlands mixed with various hardwoods. So when the team neared Ecor a which is modern-day Camden in Wichita County, the former site of a French settlement, two significant events occurred. First, the explorers found a tree with curious Native American hieroglyphics carved onto its trunk. The carvings portrayed two men holding hands and may have been the site of trade between Europeans and Native Americans. Second... On November 22nd, as Hunter cleaned his pistol on the flatboat, his gun discharged. The bullet ripped through his thumb and lacerated two fingers. It continued through the brim of his hat and missed his head by only fractions of an inch. Hunter remained in severe pain and danger of infection for over two weeks, and his eyes were so burned that he could not see to record entries in his journal. So he was of little help to the expedition.
2: His eyes were burned?
0: Yes. Yeah. Powder blind, as it was called. Do you get your vision back now? Uh, yep. Uh, after a while, but not during the expedition.
2: Oh my god! Yeah, that's awesome. Um, At
0: least you can hang out in the
2: cabin.
0: Yeah. Oh, he got a lot of tan. Got a good tan going. Couldn't see it though.
2: Well, it's not for you to see. <laughs> Tans are for showing off. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's for showing. Not. For... That's what he got for being a show off. <laughs> hey, look how cool I can clean my pistol. Yeah, I'm doing a pistol, a pistol cleaning trick. Do you think the new flora and fauna are watching and are impressed? You think that deer thinks I'm
0: cool? Uh, I think that is super cool. <laughs> you think that wolf with lips that we found will kiss
1: me for it? I told you that was a man.
0: <laughs> Looked
1: like a wolf. Well, to me. he certainly,
0: kissed like a well, wolf. <laughs> it was just hairy. So near the current site of. Arkadelphia, which is in Clark County.
2: It's a real place.
0: A real place. Arkadelphia. I love it. Uh, have you been there?
2: No, but um, one of my acquaintances from Arkansas went to college in Arkadelphia.
0: Oh, wonderful.
2: They also have a town called Texarkana.
0: Oh my gosh. It's
2: great.
0: Texarkana sounds like a place where gunslinger wizards would train. <laughs> in near Arkadelphia, they met a man of Dutch descent named Paltz. Uh, the Dutch hunter knew the area well and he informed the explorers of a hot spring, a salt spring, located nearby, as well as other natural features. Paltz told them that he had resided 40 years on the Wichita, and before that on the Arkansas. Hunter, Paltz, and a small team investigated a salt pit and reported it to be of substantial nature. The chemists conducted specific gravity experiments on the saline water and discovered it to be too high of a concentration of what he called marine salt. And by too high, I just mean high. (laughs) By this point, he had gotten his eyesight back almost a month later. (laughs) So it was was full of this marine salt, so they thought it was a um, a spring flowing from the ocean all the way inland and then bubbling up. They were wrong. It was from, we now know it's from natural salt accumulated from the groundwater and from the mountains, which had a high salt concentration, but still a pretty fun idea. So on December 3rd, 1804, Dunbar and Hunter confronted the greatest potential obstacle to their journey— Near what is today Malvern, or Rockport, an enormous series of rocky rapids called the Chutes by the two men stretched almost a mile before them. Dunbar described the formations as looking like ancient fortifications and castles. So... I
2: hope beavers just made them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, beaver castles. For beaver kings and beaver knights and uh, beaver politics. Mm -hmm. Game of Beaver Thrones.
1: Oh, I can just imagining, like, in this beaver kingdom, mm-hmm. like, if a beaver is getting knighted, like, the queen beaver just slaps him on the shoulder with, with her tail. tail. <laughs> oh, it's very good.
0: I'm picturing all the beavers doing the Game of Thrones theme, but with, like, little beaver voices going, weep, 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 Beautiful beaver formation, (laughs) and they like swim through the water and form all the like castles and stuff with their bodies. That's fantastic. Thank you. I have a very cute imagination. Yes. Um. So they got through the shirt shoots, um, by like slinging ropes across and pulling them, pulling the boat across and rocking the vessel from side to side to avoid rocks. And eventually, when all of that failed, dragging the flatboat over dry land. <laughs> mm-hmm. By doing that, they traversed this what they described as a maze of boulders. Dunbar compared the roar made by the chutes to the sound of a hurricane he had experienced in New Orleans in 1779. By December 7th, the group had reached the closest point along the Wichita to the hot springs. And they camped at the confluence of a creek that they identified as Calphate Creek, which is today called Gulfa Creek. I love just the changes in place names so very much. They went on a nine-mile walk to examine the site, and returned the next afternoon with vivid descriptions of their experience, stating that they had discovered an empty cabin that they thought to be used by those coming to bathe in and drink from the purported healing waters of the spring. The next day they went back and began a four week study of the water properties and geological and biological features present. During this time they decided there were four principal and two inferior springs, catalogued numerous limestone deposits, and Dunbar discovered a cabbage like plant he called cabbage radish of the Washita.
2: What's it called now?
0: It doesn't say. No I think it's I think it's, it's
2: probably just cabbage. It might be
0: skunk cabbage. Uh, which is inedible unless you cook it. And then it's okay. Mm. If you don't cook it, it kills you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, But no one died
2: on this, right?
1: No. Well, they were next That's to it. a healing fountain. Yeah, so <laughs> they're probably fine. That's true.
0: But yeah, it doesn't say what it was. I couldn't find out, unfortunately. They described small microorganisms living in the hot waters, the recording of which may be the first report of living things in such hostile environments. They cited swans, deer, and raccoons, as well as a lot of buffalo in the areas around the spring. A
2: lot of cool deer.
0: Yeah. But they were unable to figure out where the source of the hot water was coming from, despite all their experiments. My hypothesis? Buffalo conspiracy.
1: <laughs>
0: a bunch of buffalo, before we extincted them, had a, had a big old furnace underground. They stoked with buffalo turds.
1: Well, what's the conspiracy? What? What's the conspiracy? That, oh, you said a buffalo conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Um, it sounds it, like, what were they using the furnace for? Like, why were they using it for nefarious conspiratorial purposes. Yeah. It sounds
2: like the buffalo were just doing something and the men didn't bother asking.
1: Uh, they,
0: were, they were conspiring against the beaver kingdom? Well, that's just insane. It's treated as the highest. I mean, that's, that's why it was a conspiracy. Because they couldn't be found out. Mm. If, they, if the beavers found out, they'd collapse a whole dam on top of them. And even a buffalo can't survive that. But there are proud people that wish to have their own resources and lands.
1: Can you call them a proud people? Uh I, Oh, I think we found a conspiracy. Oh <laughs> Buffalo are just really big people who walk on all fours. And love to kiss with and their lips. Love to kiss. Love to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it's buffalo right. kisses. Um so that's that's your Um guess
0: unassailable. My unassailable hypothesis, hypothesis. can't be disproved. Definitely true. Mine is geothermic. That's crazy. Geothermic. You can't just make up words, Noel. All right. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This isn't fake word cronismo. Big cracky crack in earth. Okay, okay. Now you're speaking my language. Uh, So they started their return trip on January 8th, 1805. During their descent, the team met a group of, were possibly, Quapaw Native Americans, or as Hunter called them, Indians who had come from the Riven, Arkansas. The party of Native Americans was led by a man named John Lefebvre, who accompanied the expedition to Fort Miro. Lefebvre provided Dunbar and Hunter with a wealth of additional knowledge concerning the region, including place names and name origins, river sources, adjacent regions, and European and Native American relations. After a brief stop at Fort Miro to retrieve Hunter's boat and get some more of that good half chewed jerky... (laughs) They finally got back to Natchez January 27th, 1805. So after that, they wrote up their memoirs, they sent their reports to Jefferson, and they recuperated from their long, horrible trip.
1: So I thought you said this was a failed expedition.
0: Ah. So, yes. And that is because they expected to then have Jefferson send them off on their next great expedition. The real one. The real one. However, what Jefferson did instead was use their uh, account to help make the case for the Lewis and Clark expedition and give them guidance uh, on their way through the Louisiana Purchase. Whoa!
1: sounds mm-hmm. like someone found a new best friend. Mm-hmm.
0: So I couldn't fi- find out why Je- uh, Jefferson turned his back on them. Probably because
1: the so. guy blinded himself for a
2: month.
0: I mean, that's probably it. I feel like once you're like, uh, so how's your expedition? Pretty good, except wait, what's this big blank spot in Hunter's journal? Well, <laughs>
2: where his fingers go?
0: Why are there all these drawings of buffalo kissing?
1: <laughs> and Why did you make that stupid boat?
0: <laughs> I think that the failed boat, waste of funds, and the shooting yourself on the expedition were probably like
1: everyone's like these guys are gonna kill themselves and waste all this money. If yeah. like send them out again. <laughs> do they, do they fucking think that there's a, a weird underground river from the ocean. They're not so. They're, They're not really... so but so.
2: I bet Dunbar looked at Hunter and said. We surely won't let Jefferson stop the creativity of our expedition. Mm-hmm. a new expedition.
1: Unfunded. Yeah. Unfunded, (laughs) undocumented.
0: Unfunded. (laughs)
2: Unfunded, (laughs) undocumented, unremembered.
0: Totally secret, unknown to everybody. Nothing happens, nothing important. No one knows. No one's thought about it. And
1: some people say that they're still on this expedition today. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They're still out there, and if you listen closely to the wind... You can still hear them screaming.
1: Wow, my (laughs) finger!
0: So yeah, that's the Hunter Dunbar expedition. So we've probably got just enough time for a quick "What if they met?"
1: What if they met? Met. What? 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 What if they met? What if they met? met, met, What if they met? Met. What if they met? met, What if they met? Met. met, What if they they met? They never
0: met. met. But But what if if these two two
1: people had met met They never met
0: But we're going to speculate on if they had met Dogs
1: cannot kiss (laughs) Because they do not have have lips lips.
0: (laughs) But Jackie wants them to kiss With (laughs) their (laughs) lips (laughs) Wants (laughs) them to kiss? (laughs) They kiss This is what if they met.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're keeping all the dogs kissing with lips. (laughs) Uh, um, So I'm just imagining a situation (laughs) where Dunbar, Hunter, Mm. realize that they're about to be screwed over by Jefferson Mm. and they switch places with Lewis and Clark to just wear their clothes.
0: Oh my gosh. And they cut off Lewis's thumb. (gasps) And that's why Lewis doesn't have a thumb in any of the portraits of him. You can look, you can check, there's no thumb.
2: His hand's always out of the picture, but it's because he had no thumb.
0: Illuminati.
2: (laughs) He's always wearing gloves.
1: Why is he always wearing gloves? Is there a wooden thumb underneath there? We don't know. Some people say you can see the wooden thumb on a small part of the dollar bill. Mm -hmm.
0: They say that Nicholas Cage found a map to his wooden thumb on the back of the Hunter Dunbar portraits, and he went off and quested for
1: it. I haven't seen Wicker Man.
0: That is what Wicker is because it all starts from a thumb, and then they make a whole man out of the thumb, because they plant it. Well, thanks for the spoilers. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like it.
2: I saw it in theaters, and it was confusing.
0: Well, you know, now you know the backstory, and they don't explain that. They don't. So it makes a lot more sense when you just know the backstory. It's
2: like, why are all these women with bees around? Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. The bees symbolize the Wichita River. So what if Nicolas Cage had met the beaver kingdom? Uh, well, we'd have an amazing movie called National Treasure, now it's beavers. I would
2: watch that. Watch that. I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. we need a crossover of um, Night at the Museum mm. and
0: Our podcast, National yes.
2: <laughs> no, I think that would be great. Night of
0: the Treasure. Night of the Treasure. Night of the Treasure, mm. yeah.
2: Night at the Aquarium. Not the aquarium. See so you get some beavers.
0: You get some beavers in there, I see, I see. And it's all at night all of the creatures of the aquarium come to life. <laughs> and they're all
2: possessed by
0: Nicholas K. That's the name of
2: the aquarium. Who's guy not dead
0: <laughs> possesses he can astrally project, but only into beavers.
1: Great. It sounds great. <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> sounds wonderful. Very good. Imagine yeah. if uh Dunbar and Hunter had been walking around and they're like, Wow, we're starting to see these weird formations and they're like, mm-hmm. It's weird, they're not rocks, they're not and they like tear off a little chunk and they start nibbling on it. And like, it's bread. It's covered in why amazing. is this whole area made out of bread? bread? Wait, it's all bread. All of this is bread. <laughs> Who did this? <laughs> And then Hunter's like, I can't see! <laughs> it's like, trust me, it's all bread, it's horrible. Just follow your nose!
0: <laughs> That's why the buffaloes had the furnace!
1: To bake the, the bread. bread! This has oh. been Conspiracy <laughs> Throw
0: True Tales of the Illuminati. With bread. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I think we solved it.
0: I think we solved that, I think we solved that mystery. Yep. For sure, 100%. That's where hot springs come from. That's where from. hot springs come from. <laughs> that, that yeah, yep, yep. Buffaloes baking bread. Yeah.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. Why do the buffaloes make to eat? Obviously, they want to eat. They yeah. want to feel powerful no, by to... having their own bread kingdom. and oh, yeah. yeah. Powerful yeah.
2: by the bread kingdom. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're they were... doing it to build the arches. Yeah,
0: oh, to yeah, celebrate Easter. You're right, you're right. To that makes sense, because as we all know, all buffaloes are Catholic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, oh, Max,
2: I mean, we, got...
1: we've been over this about saying well-known historical facts. You're right, you're right.
2: It's got right. dual symbolism of local pride and prosperity plus religious undertones. Mm-hmm. It was just a nice little conflagration. Of
0: it. And they built a whole fake...
2: That means fire. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a conflagration of Christianity.
2: Confluence. Yeah, even
0: when they burned <laughs> witches. Uh, and, oh, I just realized, right? They built a whole fake uh, hot springs out of bread because the mafia... We're after them. That's why they have the furnace to build the bread to escape the beaver mafia. Because they won't let the mafia diminish their buffalo creativity. Very true. We
2: surely won't let the mafia stop <laughs> yeah. the creativity of our buffalo people.
0: It's, it's the surely that I really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
2: Again, it, it it sounds better in Italian.
0: Yeah. Buffalo is a
2: fun word in Italian. Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> uh, this is buffalo, but it's a little
0: different. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us this week here on Anachronismo. If you liked our show, please rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. Uh, if you want to reach out, we're on Twitter at, at @anacpodcast that's A N A C podcast or uh, Anachronismo or or it's anachronismo at gmail.com. We also have a uh, live show coming up. I think it's next week. Yeah, when this podcast is released, it'll be next week, next Saturday, the twenty eighth, at the Democracy Center in Cambridge, in Harvard Square doing a double bill with improv history uh please come on out tickets are free free tickets and you know uh, enjoy some history with us Mm -hmm. we'd love to see you there um is there anything else i want to talk about or add
2: no i think you covered it okay
0: well then uh we'll see you next time here on anachronismo anachronismo